Welcome back, everyone, to Finding the Middle Path, Be Drama-Free Through DBT. I'm Lucinda, I'm your host. Today, we're going to be talking about bird surf. Bird surf, something you may not be familiar with. Basically, the idea is you want to surf your emotions rather than acting on them, or surf your urges rather than acting on them. Because it's not the emotion or the urges that get us in trouble, it's pretty much always the actions that we take because of those emotions and urges. What is it? So today we're going to go over the what, the how, and the why. Urge surfing is a mindfulness technique that can be used to help with addictive behavior. It can also be used to regulate emotions as urges and emotions both come in waves. So if you think about it, a wave has several components. There's flat ocean and the wave begins to build up. So you have the arrival of the build up when the wave gets bigger, crest when the wave gets as large as it's going to be, and then subsiding. So when the wave is gotten as big as it's going to be, it's crashed down, and it's now beginning to dissipate. All of those things can also be applied to urges and emotions. So if you think about it with emotions, since we're talking about emotion regulation these next couple of weeks, with an emotion, you can start to realize or understand that the emotion is coming fairly early in the emotional response. Over time, the emotion will begin to build up until it gets to the most intense that it can be. Afterwards, it will break down and begin to dissipate. And that's the whole idea of urge surfing, is to be able to see your emotion as a wave, understand that it can come and go and that it'll change over time, and just know that you'll be able to get through it. Okay, so now let's take a little time to talk about the why of urge surfing. Why would you want to do it? Well, fighting an urge ultimately just makes it stronger, and distracting and ignoring an urge is just another way of fighting it. There's a little bit of scientific experiment to back this up. In about 1987, there was an experiment done called the White Bear Experiment. What happened during this time is people were shown a movie about white bears, just a nice little educational video, and then they were given a sorting task which required concentration. They were divided into two groups, and one group was instructed to suppress all thoughts about white bears. The other group was given no shuts instruction. Both groups were asked to press a button if they thought of white bears while they were doing their sorting task. The results, as you could probably guess, the suppression group, or the ones that were told do not think about white bears, reported significantly higher rates of white bear thoughts than the group that had no such instruction. You probably have lots of different examples of this in your own personal life. One that I had, I used to have this shirt that said, don't look at my shirt. And I thought it was funny. I like to wear funny t-shirts. So I wore it one day and I realized that a lot of people were looking at my chest area. And I'm not a person that really likes a lot of attention to that particular area. So it made me horribly uncomfortable. I stopped wearing that shirt and it never happened with any of my other shirts. And the only thing I could think of was as soon as someone says, don't do something like don't look at my shirt. 
people are automatically going to want to do that and they're going to keep doing it because you tell someone not to do something, they're definitely going to want to do it. That's like the first thing they want to do. The other example that I think of is with teenagers, and it comes and goes in waves at work, is the I lost the game game. I mean, that's literally what it is. Someone will just say, I lost the game. And the way you lose the game is if you think about the game, I lost the game. So then someone else will randomly say it and it's hard to get rid of because it'll just keep popping up in your mind and you're trying to tell yourself, don't think about the game. Oh, I just thought of it. I lost the game. So those are just a couple of other fun examples that go along with the white bear experiment. The other reason for herd surfing is there's a lot of benefits. If you are able to feel your emotion and sort of examine it almost scientifically, that gives you from some distance from the emotion so you can understand it a bit more. And it might make it a little easier to fill out that emotion chart that I showed you last week or that we were talking about last week. Another benefit is that it gives you exposure to the emotion. Even if emotions don't feel great while they're happening, by letting yourself be exposed to the emotion, you begin to understand that feeling that emotion is not the end of the world. You're strong enough to handle it, you can get through it, and over time, being able to expose yourself to those emotions makes it so that they don't hold so much power over you as they used to. Third benefit, extinction of secondary emotions. I don't know if you've ever heard of the saying, anger is a secondary emotion. Uh, people say it all the time. Therapists say it all the time. Anger is something that often gets us in trouble. And it's often because it exists because we're feeling a different emotion. So we're hurt, so we lash out because hurt is a vulnerable emotion. We don't necessarily want to feel that. By allowing yourself to just feel the hurt and understand it, work through it, that secondary emotion of anger just doesn't happen. And the anger is a lot of times, again, what gets us in trouble. It makes us do things that we may not necessarily do if we're feeling other emotions. The last benefit is emotion acceptance. If you are able to accept these uncomfortable feelings that you have, then it actually gives them a lot less power over your life. So if you accept that you feel sad, then you begin to be able to control what you're doing while you're feeling sad instead of having that emotion of sadness control you. All right, so now we're to the how, urge surfing, how to do it. I made up this acronym to help remember the different steps. So it's SURF. The S stands for see your emotion arriving as a wave. Now, when you begin to notice that you're feeling something that you're pretty sure is going to be a little distracting or a little disruptive to your life, watch it arrive and then separate yourself from whatever it is that you're doing, if you can, and begin to do breathing exercises. So that's the S. See your emotion arriving as a wave. The U. Understand your emotion by observing how it affects you. So during this time, you want to be paying very close attention to what thoughts you're having, where the emotion is affecting your body, how often your wave is changing size. So that would be your emotional wave is changing size. During all of this time, every time that you are making an observation about the way that the emotion is affecting you, you want to take a deep breath 
and remind yourself to focus on your breathing and go back to the mindfulness exercises. Because a lot of times, knowing these things, seeing the thoughts, seeing the way that the emotion is affecting you is going to take you out of your mindful state. So by taking a breath, focusing back on your breathing, you put yourself back in a mindful state where you can begin to, or where you can continue to examine and break down that emotion that you're feeling. The R is for remember the times that you've had the emotion and gotten past it. If you have sudden urges during this, then imagine they're part of your wave and just surf right over them. So for this, you want to do the R, the remember part, after you've gotten the bulk of the wave surfed out and you have a little more control over your impulses and a little more control over the way your body is reacting to your emotion. And one of the reasons why you want to do that is because if you're remembering times that you've felt this emotion before and gotten past it, it's very likely that you may trigger the wave to start getting big again. So as an example, if you're feeling really sad and you've gotten through most of the experience of the sadness and you feel like you're about ready to start remembering the times that you felt sad and got over it, thinking of more sad times is going to maybe trigger more sadness. So you want to be able to make sure that you don't put yourself back to a larger crest of your emotional wave. The final part of surf, the F, is finish surfing. And I like to think of this part as emotion acceptance. So you think about the ways that the emotion can help you, the sort of benefits that you might feel from the emotion. And if you can't think of any of those things, then you try to think to yourself, how can I go about my day while still feeling this emotion? Because it's going to be around for a little bit. I mean, just like the ocean, right? The waves start little, they're tiny, and over time they might get bigger. So what can I do to feel this emotion and still continue on with what I need? for what I need to do for the day. What steps can I take? What tricks can I employ to be able to feel this and still keep going? And that's just a simple four-step way to try and practice surfing your emotion. Now, the acronym I made up, so you may not be able to find it anywhere else. But again, just so you remember, it is S, see your emotions arriving. You understand your emotions by observing how they affect you, observing what's happening to your body and your mind while you're feeling these emotions. R, remember times that you felt this emotion and gotten past it. Again, to remind yourself that it is possible to get past these emotions. And then F, finish surfing. How can you accept this emotion and go on with your day even if you aren't able to completely see it dissipate? How can you keep it from holding you back from the things that you need to do? Urge surfing at work. Like lots of other DBT related things, this takes a lot of practice. And I'm going to tell you this now, and you're not going to like it. The teenagers never like it. It's really, really uncomfortable. We as a society don't often just allow ourselves to feel super uncomfortable emotions. Nobody likes being sad. Nobody likes being angry. Nobody likes being hurt. But urge surf, what it tells us to do is embrace it completely and try to understand how it's working and what it's doing to your body. So yeah, that takes a lot of practice. The key to urge surfing is to remember to continue observing your breath while you undergo the experience of your emotion. 
by stopping every once in a while, taking a moment to take a breath, and then remind yourself to focus on the breathing of your body and the mindfulness exercises, that will actually keep you in a calm body state. So breathing, if you take deep breaths or you take measured breaths in through the nose and out through the mouth, can actually lower your heart rate, which means that while you're feeling these emotions that may trigger adrenaline in your body, you can take control of them by taking these breaths and keeping your body in a calm mind state so that you can continue to do your mindfulness exercises and continue to surf the wave of the emotion. The last thing is that if you're at work, you may not be able to focus all your attention on the experience of the emotion, and that's okay. If you can just focus like half of your attention on it and just know that it's there, remind yourself where you're feeling your body, as you get more practice, that will actually also become beneficial. When I'm at work, I can't just leave the floor when I start feeling sadness coming on or when I'm starting to feel irritation coming on. That's not something that I can do, but I can kind of separate myself a little bit while I'm still watching the patients and take some deep breaths, notice if my heart's starting to get a little, my heart rate's starting to go up a little, if I'm starting to be a little snappy, if I'm having thoughts that are just barely staying in my brain and not coming out of my mouth, like I can take a little time to recognize those things while I'm still doing my job and part of it is because I've been practicing this urge surfing for a pretty long time now. Urge surfing with teenagers is difficult and very uncomfortable because they have the instinct to argue. They don't want to just sit there and feel their emotions. It's uncomfortable and it hurts a lot of the times because they have these really intense emotions that make them feel lots of ways that they don't want to feel. So trying to get them to just sit and pay attention to how the emotion is affecting them and take deep breaths, they're not going to want to do it. And a lot of times they're just not going to. So what one thing that might be helpful is to just have them do it for a few minutes at a time. So as you get more practiced in surfing, you can surf out the entire experience of emotion, which depending on how much your emotions fire could be a couple minutes, it could be, you know, a couple hours, but building up is very important. So maybe just have them feel the emotion for just a little bit just a couple of minutes to practice and then have them do something else. Um, it seems counterintuitive because of all the things we're just saying. You don't want to distract them. You don't want to not pay attention. But being able to surf for a little while and then gradually increasing that over time is much better than refusing to surf at all. So little steps, baby steps is what you have to do when it comes to doing this with teenagers. Sometimes it can help to explain how giving in to urges, which are things that may come with the emotions, will make the urges even stronger. And an easy way to do that is to liken the urges to a stray cat. So if you feed a stray cat, the cat will continue to come to your door and make noise, right? Over time, the cat will bring all of its stray cat buddies until eventually you're feeding a stray cat army that's eating you out of house and home. The minute that you decide, I cannot afford to feed all these stray cats, and you stop feeding them, they are going to protest so darn loud 
right? It's going to be so loud. It wakes up your neighbors. It wakes up the entire neighborhood because all of these cats are going to be crying at you at the same time. If you continue to not feed them, so you stick to your guns, over time, the cats will, can, will begin to realize, all right, this isn't working anymore. I guess we should go next neighborhood over where there's another nice cat lady that's going to feed us food. You take that story and you put it in as urges. So if you have one little urge that comes around and you give in to it, eventually the urges are going to increase right? So you have lots and lots of urges coming at you and you'll feel all of these urges to do things. And as soon as you decide to stop giving into the urges or stop, which will often be destructive behaviors, they're going to get even stronger and they're going to get even louder until, and it's more difficult. It's definitely more difficult to not give into the urges when they're so strong and loud until eventually those urges will start to wane away just a little bit and be less loud, be less bountiful. The easiest way, of course, then, is to not give in to that first little urge that you feel in the first place. And that kind of helps to know that, it helps them to know that it's okay to have urges, but if you give in to them, it's going to make it a lot worse than just fighting against the one, because you'll be fighting against many. Okay, so that's all the information that we have for you today. We took a little break today from the DBT Skills Manual. It does touch upon the skill a little in the manual. Uh, it calls it the wave skill, but all the information that I shared with you today was actually from a mindfulness training by Chris Walsh that I believe would, he did in 2006, and it's all about urge surfing, which actually is a coin is a term coined by Alan Marlatt that has to do with relapse prevention. So a lot of this is more relevant to addiction, but you could use it for pretty much anything, any, any urges that you may have or any emotions that you may feel that are not entirely comfortable. If you're watching the YouTube version, I put the, the website up there for you if you're interested in seeing the whole article. You could also type in Chris Walsh, urge surfing and you'll get a few more things that were written uh, over time that may are a little more a little more current than 2006 the surf acronym was created by me so you could find that in the slide if you are interested in more information about that acronym or you want something or you want me to I don't know type it up and give it to you whatever it is that you might want uh, feel free to reach out on any of the platforms that you're listening to once again, thank you so much for listening to me talk, spending 20 minutes of your time learning about coping skills. It's much appreciated. And I guess I'll see you the next time when we find the middle path and be drama-free through DBT.